Hello and welcome to the Talk Darby's podcast. I'm Blake Fellows, sponsored by SMJ Brady, Connect Red and Elite Football Development. Very good one for you today. I'm not going to talk too much because it's an hour long and it's an hour of brilliant football chat talking about his time at Derby County, coming through the youth team under Arthur Cox, uh, playing for Roy McFarland and Jim Smith and then going to, to Everton and and playing under David Moyes and, and playing for Ireland and oh, it's just brilliant. It's a it's an hour of brilliant content, so I'm going to shut up and uh, get straight into Lee Carsley because it's a really, really good, fascinating listen. So here's Lee Carsley. So welcome on to, to Talk Darby to me, Lee Carsley. This is, again, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record saying this is a brilliant one for me, but it is because as we've just had a little discussion uh, beforehand about um, the team that you came into that's my first memories of football and a brilliant time yeah. so thank you very yeah. much and, and how um, are you no really i really appreciate you having me on like i say i've listened to um quite a few of the podcasts now and really really impressed with what you're doing so it's, it's brilliant for you know to, to to look back on and look forward hopefully with some of the some of the, the, the next guests difficult times at the minute um how are you coping and um and what's what's your kind of role and involvement in football as it stands yeah, so I'm, um, I work for the FA. I coach the uh, under-20s. Um, I'm also uh, helping out with the 19s and the under-18s with England as, as the phase lead. So uh, in terms of what I'm doing at the minute, I've got my hands pretty full with that. Obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff now is done through, through Teams and Zoom, Zoom calls cause, uh, just because of the current situation. So, But um, yeah, I feel really lucky the fact that I've got a, a good job and um, got some focus um, yeah, and, and you know, I love the coaching and the development that part part of the of the game. During your playing career, you've you've had a brilliant coaching career today, and obviously it's going to go on and, and just get better and better. But did you have to plan early to get into coaching? But did you always know that you were going to have to take that? You that was a step you were going to take after football. Did you do your badges early, or, yeah. or how did it come about? Yeah, so I done I done my badges quite early while I was still at Everton. It was something that David Moyes pushed for the players. Um, I think I think he thought that it would help your uh, understanding of the game and how you thought about the game and how he was thinking about his game plans and, and opposition and stuff like that. So I'd say I was probably 30 when I started getting on the coaching pathway. Um, and by the time I'd, I'd retired, my first year into retirement, I'd, I'd sort of completed my pro licence. So I'd sort of had all of the of the badges quite early. So I was quite lucky in that respect. But um, I think, I think I, you know, I, I knew quite early in my career that, yeah, you know, when I, when I retired, I go into football and, and I've always liked the development side of it and helping players and seeing players progress. So uh, that's, that's, that's sort of the, the side of it that I've, that I've focused on. Has coaching changed since you first did your, you've had at 30 and got into it at 30? Is it, can you see a change in it even in that, in that short time? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, like, like, like if, if you just think about what football was like five years ago, it changes at hundred mile an hour and it's important that you, you keep up with that. Um, and, and you make sure that you're, you're trying to keep it ahead of the curve. So, um, but no, play, players are still players. They still have the same problems that um, and challenges that 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 I had when I was coming through. And it's it's really important that you that you understand where they are in terms of their their career and their their pathway and their journey. And and you provide as much support as you can for them. You know, obviously I didn't have the I didn't have the pressure of Twitter and Facebook and. Instagram and all that. All I had to worry about was it was it the greener or the pink, whatever it was. The greener, yeah, the sporting yeah, green, I, yeah. <laughs> I had to worry about you know playing playing for Derby, 
going straight to the news agents, picking up the green and realizing that I've got a five or a six, which, which, which I always thought was a bit harsh. But yeah, um, yeah, that was that was our social media back then. So I may be listening to you know the phone maybe on a Monday night and and listening to yourself getting absolutely hammered up by the fans. But no, they've got a lot of different pressures now in terms of the social media is a massive thing for players, and I think it's 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 important that. Uh, you know, we provide as much support around the players as we can. Do you think you'd have been able? Well, you obviously would have been able to cope. Do you think it'd have been more difficult if you'd have played in this era to to your day? Obviously, just listening to yeah. Graham Richards and stuff on a Monday is different to going yeah. on Twitter after a game and people calling you every name under the sun. Exactly, I, th- I think yeah, I think I think in terms of the the academy, um, the way it's structured now and how good the players are coming through technically and tactically and how how, how ahead they are. Um, you know, I, I probably would have struggled with my um, with my attributes that I had as a player. You know, they they wasn't really eye catching. Um, you know, a good good team player and all the rest of it, but not really. You know, technically above the level uh, that these lads are coming through now with outstanding talents. And but obviously, probably where where maybe a lot of my peers had the advantage was was the mentality. We had a different kind of mentality than the. And probably because we had to get on with it, there wasn't the support around us. So you had to find a way of, of coping and coming through. Take us back then, like all the way back to your first footballing memories. Can you remember first kind of getting involved in, in playing football? Yes, I remember um, I played for a, a local team in Birmingham called the Three Seas, uh, which was the Catholic Community Centre uh, based in Chelmsley Wood. We played in a, in green and white hoops, the Celtic, the Celtic kit. So... It was run by a, um, a Catholic church and a, and a youth club next to it. So I played for, for the three C's up until I was about 14, 15, when I was spotted to, to go and, and play for Derby. I remember I, um, I got asked to go for a training session at, at, at um, Rainsway uh, one yeah. Thursday night. I drove from Birmingham to Rainsway with the, with the scout and I, and I felt I'd, I'd never been in a car for that long before. You know, this would have been 1988, 89. And I just thought, I feel like I'm at the end of, the, I could be in Las Vegas by the time I get out of this car here. I feel like I've been in it that long and to, to get into an indoor, I mean, did you ever go to Rainsway? Would you ever have seen that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I played so there. That, that, yeah, that big indoor, that big indoor. I've never been in anything like that before. All the sports halls that I've been into before were like literally tennis court sizes that would have been like, had maybe two badminton courts on or something. So this was like state of the art to me. It was, it was amazing. And I think it was Richie Williams and uh, Jerry Summers would have took the session, and I got asked to come back. And but at that time, I was I was I was basically playing for Birmingham, Villa, Wolves, Walsall, West Brom. I play for whoever I, I wanted to basically over the weekend. I didn't sign for anyone, uh, and then it wasn't until my, my dad says, "Yeah, well, you know, you're going to sign for Derby." So that was it. I'm, I ended up moving to Derby at just just turned fifteen, uh, just turned sixteen. Sorry. Do you know why Derby? Why, why your dad said Derby? Was it? The, yeah, the big thing was, was to get out of Birmingham. I think he could sort of see the, the, the pathway, uh, the area that I was, that was, that was in, um, the, the chances that I was going to get in, in terms of, you know, getting a job and, 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 and potentially, I think it's always, you know, you, you always find a lot about yourself when you're in that kind of pressurised situation where you have to move away from your, your friends and your family and, um, I mean, it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant. Uh, it was a brilliant decision for him to, to make. It was one that wasn't popular. I was. I was. At, I was actually sat in in the Bescott before the new Walsall Stadium. I was actually sat in the Bescott uh, manager's office uh, with my dad, and I says, um, 
the man, the manager said, I want you to sign for, for Warsaw. And I was like, yeah, I, I definitely want to sign him. My dad says, you're not signing. I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're not. We ended up having a bit of an argument and, and we, we had to leave the office. And, and literally <laughs> the day after, yeah, I was adamant. I wanted to sign for Warsaw. I was, I was, I, it was, it was a bus ride away from my house. It was, it was comfortable. I liked it. The, the lads were good. Um, but no, he was, he was like, no, Derby's the best, the best place for you. And I mean, at the time at 15, 16, I wouldn't have known or had the, um, almost like that football intelligence to realise the history that Derby had behind them and the, the history of the fan base and what they'd done in the past and obviously the the 70s and, and, and the 80s and, and, and how well they'd done. So I wouldn't have known anything like that. I just knew that Walsall was half an hour from my house and Derby seemed like, uh, you know, a thousand miles away. So, yeah, it was, um, it was you know, Derby was the club for me. We've had a few players on that were around the club at that time and it's obviously the time of the old YTS scheme like Jossie I know yeah. you you know yeah. very well and, and yeah. uh, Rama uh, yeah. and Bobby Davis and people like that that came through at that time and yeah. how was it and the change room then is it is it do you have to grow up very quickly I can imagine coming yeah. into like a YTS scheme at 16 and you go right yeah into the frying yeah. pan yeah it was it was definitely it was definitely different to what what the the players experience now know was that is that better or worse I, I couldn't tell you um but it was a it was a really challenging time you know I don't look back on my first two years at Derby with I, like I didn't absolutely love it it was really tough like it was a tough harsh environment to be in um you know it was ruthless everyone was fighting for that contract or that that starting position and uh, you know, I signed a, a two-year apprenticeship for, you know, I signed for £29.50 and then £35.50. So, you know, I wasn't bringing in the big bucks, but I got, I, I think we got £12 a week as well, train fare home. And, and I literally felt like Montgomery Brewster. I had more money than I could spend. <laughs> I didn't know what to spend because I'd never had any any money. So the, the fact that I was getting £100 a month or whatever it was, I just, I, I felt like I, I couldn't spend it quick enough. You know, it was... You know, I felt like I was absolutely loaded. So, um, Arthur Cox, um, Roy McFarland, uh, Gordon Guthrie, Ted McMinn, Geraint Williams, Mark Wright, Peter Shilton, Dean Saunders, all these guys uh, were real big personalities at the time. And then then underneath them, you sort of had a, a Rama, you had a Paul Williams, you had a Steve Round, um, um, Davo, um, you had these kind of Justin Phillips, um, Jason Kavanagh, Stevie Awood. That would you know we try and look after each other as much as we could, but in the in the you know almost in the back of your mind, you almost knew as well you were in it for yourself and you needed to make sure that you came through. But like I say, really challenging environment. But um, I love the baseball ground. I absolutely loved it. The first time I went into the baseball ground, I was absolutely amazed. You go through that, you you we, we you, you park your car at the leisure centre, you walk through, you go through the big wooden gates underneath the stand, down through the, through the tunnel and you come out. I was like, I'd never been to a ground like that before where, you know, you had a really big stand over there, which was double. I was like, bloody hell, it was absolutely massive. But there was a little gap between the, the fence and the crowd. So, you know, as a, as, a, as a 16 year old, I was like, I was absolutely blown away from it. But then when you actually go to your first match and you realise how close it is, mm. Yeah, I mean, it, that's why it was such quite, a, it was a big thing not to skip ahead too much, but it was quite a big thing moving to Pride Park where it was, it seemed so expansive and light, whereas the baseball ground was so on top, which was a real, 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 um, you know, a real benefit for the players. But yeah, 
Um, great, 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 great experience. I love the history of the baseball ground. I love the fact that that um, you're constantly and and not a lot of clubs that I've played for were like this. But Everton, Everton and Derby were where you were. As soon as you went into the club, you realised that it weren't just your average club. There was a lot of history attached to it. You know, Brian Clough, Archie Gamble, Roy McFarland, all the great Steve Bloomer. Um, you know, I remember Gordon Guffey used to always say, especially when we go back late at night and you'd have to take the kit down to the uh, you'd have to. You, we'd park the we'd park the bus next to the uh, at the baseball ground. We'd park the bus next to the uh, the main entrance, which was right in the middle of the ground. And and he'd open the doors and he'd say, "I'll push that down to the treatment room." So you'd go through the corridor and it was pitch back. And he'd always say, "Like, just be careful of Steve Bloomer's the ghost of Steve Bloomer." <laughs> so you'd half be like, "Shit!" You know, you'd be waiting for Steve Bloomer to jump out on you. So. It was, you know, but at 16, you're like, it was, you're like, Ooh. it was a bit dark and you're like, what the hell? He's Steve Bloomer watching, is he, is he here or what? But just the, the things like that, the history of it, you know, you were pulled towards that and you wanted to, you wanted to make sure that you wanted to leave your mark at the club. Do you know what I mean? Even like the boardroom, the boardroom was, you know, proper, like it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was classic place. The baseball ground's a bit of a, like a mythical place for me because I went and I can remember it, but I was young, so it's kind of like I never really mm. experienced like the nights like my dad did, like the European nights yeah, and stuff. Course, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible place. You touched on um, Craig Ramage Rammer, and like every time I have someone on who he knows, if I don't mention him, I get a phone call. Won't you talk about yeah, me? Won't yeah, you talk about yeah. me? So we'll touch on Rammer quickly. Um, yeah. What was he like as a player? Because I think people forget he was actually like a very, very talented player, wasn't he? Oh God, yeah, yeah. He was. He was in terms of like eras. He was probably ahead of his time in terms of. Um, Physically, it wasn't great in terms of pace. Uh, um, stature was very good. He was strong. He couldn't get him off the ball. He could pass with his left foot, his right foot. He had unbelievable balance. He could score goals. Um, probably the the that's why I say the era that the era that he come through at. He probably we probably didn't get him the ball enough, and probably the pitch as well at the baseball game wasn't um, wasn't wasn't good enough to actually pass it along the floor to him, um, but. Unbelievable player and Stevie Haywood. Stevie Haywood had a great balance as well. But Rama for me, um, you know, he was, he was, yeah, he had a really, you know, there's, there's not a lot of characters around, especially them that would express themselves, especially English players. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd always a foreign, you'd always uh, uh, associate players with touch and players with technique as being foreign and they come in later on. Whereas, Whereas sometimes, um, which is probably a British mentality, what you say, oh, well, he don't work hard enough, and he doesn't, uh, he, he's not good enough out of possession. Whereas in possession, would he? He was some player. Really, um, another another person who was in and around at that time is Jossie. We've had on Paul Williams. Is he? Yeah. Obviously, you've worked together, and was he a good friend even back then? Oh yeah, he was. He was uh, for for me. He's, he was. He was. He's been great support my whole life. To be fair, Paul. Well, since since I've known him, I met him when I was fifteen. I was I was in awe of him. He's he's uh, the way he conducted himself, the way he looked after me and Dino. Um, you know, real care, real real great fella, um, as well as being like an, an unbelievable midfielder as he was at the time. There, I remember him scoring a hat trick against Aston Villa in the cup. You know, the, the bicycle kick, and you know, um, yeah, real real top top player and. You know, we've we've maybe maybe making a different choice and waiting on a little bit more. It would have been brilliant for him to just to. I know he was really impatient, and he probably seen Paul Kitson go and Tommy went and Gary Charles went and Craig Short went, and he probably thought that he maybe missed the bus if he hadn't have stayed. But I think if he'd have 
if it had stayed with Jim Smith, I think, and, and it had had that promotion season and played at the Pro Park, I think I think it'd have been it it had gone down as a, as a real Derby legend. Um, and and for for me, he, he he was a you know when you think about a homegrown player coming through and the impact that he made, um, I think I think he'll always he'll always have uh, a bit a bit of regret with the way that he left, uh, which always people do in hindsight. Um, but yeah, he was he was he's been he's been a massive influence on my career and still is. You know, we 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 speak most days. Uh, we've worked together. I trust him. Um, yeah, I've got a lot got a lot of time for Paul. He did actually touch on when when we had him on. I said I always ask at the end um, any regrets, and he he said his only regret over his managerial and coaching and playing career was the manner in which he left Derby. And he said yeah. that was his only regret. So yeah. he did he did touch on that. I think so, I think sometimes as well when you when you're young and you just want to get on, you know, you haven't you haven't got that patience, have you? Like bloody, you know, it's it's hindsight's easy, isn't it? Mm. Um, Coxie then Arthur Cox. I shouldn't really call him Cox. I feel like I should even I should call him Gaffer because I spoke yeah. to you for that. What's what was he like? Because the amount of stories here about Arthur Cox, I think. Yeah. Um, we've had some brilliant stories. I think only Bobby Davison didn't particularly see eye to eye, but I think that was a yeah. bit of a personal thing. But um, what was what was he like to be around as a young player? Yeah, I mean, he was he was um, I mean, he he was one of them people when he came into the room. He had a, he had an a, an aura about him. Um, so him and my dad played, they were both, they were both at Warsaw together. My dad played with him at oh. Warsaw. I think Arthur was a coach at the time. So f- for years and years, I'd always got Arthur stories and Arthur and Arthur. So, um, the first time I, I met him, um, I, I was with me, Dino and, and, and a couple of the other lads. And, um, I walked past him and obviously everyone calls him boss or gaffer. So I walked past him and I've gone, morning, Arthur. <laughs> I just thought he's my dad's mate, you know, the way you would. Morning, Arthur. And he's gone, he's sort of like nodded his head at me. And I've just carried on walking. I'm not, I'm not, I've not thought a thing about it. So and Dino's gone, what the hell are you doing? I was like, what are you up to? I said, that's my dad's mate. He's like, no, don't, do not call him Arthur. Like you call him gaffer or you call him boss, don't. I'm calling him Arthur. So after that, I never, I never called him Arthur again. And he would always call me Frank after my dad. Like my dad's name's Frank. So from from day one, I was Frank. Like so, Frank. Like come here. I'd be like, what? It's my dad's name. So I, I don't, I'm not sure he actually knew my name. To be fair, but he was um, he was he was excellent. He was he was excellent. A proper. Um, you know, you could tell he was highly respected by the uh, the mm. first team. Um, you know, in terms of like modern day, did he really push you through? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but he was, he, he was like, like I say, he done a, he done a great job at Derby. Um, and um, him and him and Roy and Gordon Guthrie had a great relationship. Uh, they, they, you could tell they were all on the same hymn sheet. Hymn sheet. Uh, every time he spoke, you listened. Uh, he was highly respected by everyone. You know, the first time I got, I got me ever my first ever contract, you know, you got, you got everyone had to wait in the home team dressing room. You got called down the, uh, the hallway at the, at the baseball ground. You had to go into the, into the, di- into the director's lounge and, and the boardroom. And he'd be sat there at the end of the table. He says, um, he said, I'm not, not really sure about you. I said, oh, okay. And he said, but we're going to give you a year. We're going to take a gamble on you. So I was like, oh, so relieved. Well, when you think about it now, it was it wasn't actually filling me with a lot of confidence. To be honest, he told me that he wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure about me. He was, was going to take a gamble. So, um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I really, I, I really liked. Like, like I said, that's what I said to you before. And so, 
some people of the same generation would have a totally different opinion, but I, I, re I really liked him as, 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 I, as I did Roy and uh, Gordon. Yeah, we've had him. Um, I think um, Warren Barton uh, was with him at Newcastle as well. And some of yeah. the stories he had of, of him up there, it's, he, he was a real, real character. And um, like I say, yeah. being friends with Craig, um, some of the stuff he tells me, and, and I think um, Jossie, uh, Paul Williams, told a brilliant story about when he had... Um, he had his hair cut with like yeah, lines in it. Yeah, his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the his hair. Well, if you yeah, want to be different, yeah. son, score thirty yeah. goals a season. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and he was, it was, it was, he was really cutting like a game. Sometimes you, you're playing a a reserve team game at the baseball ground with maybe seventy people in there, say, and like you could hear it every single time you gave the ball away or you made a mistake. He was on you, and it was, and he was, it would echo around the ground. So you wanted to do well, and you wanted to. You wanted him to say to you after the game, well done, because you knew if you got a well done off him, it was a proper, bloody hell, you've done well there. Like, so, um, but yeah, it was, he was in terms of like building a foundation and, and creating a bit of resilience in my pathway. He, he definitely did that. Would it have been Roy that gave you your debut then? Uh, Anglo-Italian yeah. Cup? Yeah. So it was, it was Roy that, um, that I, that I made my debut with. Yeah. So I was, I was in and around the first team squad. For a bit, I was I was at the point where I'd you know I, I thought I'm not gonna, I'm not going to make make the breakthrough here. I was playing really well with the with the uh, reserve team, but just couldn't seem to get that opportunity. And like, like I said earlier, like you, you're not very patient when you're when you're 19, 20, are you? So, but yeah, I made my debut as um, I, I played right wing, um, which is difficult for someone that's got no pace, can't cross the ball, and hasn't got a trick. But I uh, I seem to I seem to do all right. <laughs> Oh, brilliant! You, you didn't stick it right wing then. Soon, soon <laughs> just stick, stick him in the holding role. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now I played. I played the first few. So I played. I played out there and made my debut against Swindon. Then uh, on on telly on on the match live on a Sunday, which was a three o'clock kickoff. Um, on the way home, I, I I I borrowed Michael Forsyth's phone, his mobile phone. He had, so I rang home just to say, just speak to him. It was a and it was a proper, but like yeah, no. it was one of them. As I was dialing it, it was like, don't don't be too long on it. It was like I ain't that room yet. Like yeah, <laughs> make sure you not size it. Say, hey, yeah, uh, I'm on my way. Bye. Like that was it. Like, like give us back. So like, so I don't I don't think the the minutes situation had come into it at that point where you had unlimited minutes. It was <laughs> uh, credit, so, wasn't it? You have to go get put a tenner on exactly, it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they were they were part of that team that day, like you know um, Mickey Forsyth and Craig Short and and these kind of guys. We had some we had some good good characters in that in that team at the time. Would that would that been the season that ended in defeat at Wembley? Your first season would have been the season after. I think it was no, the season so after, was, wasn't it? Yeah, I was at that game at Wembley. We were the, the the lads got taken down there in the coach. Um, yeah, so that would have been the season after after that. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, like a season of consolidation, and the next season. Uh, my favourite season ever as a Derby County fan. Um, obviously, the, the season where they got promoted to the the Premier League. It wasn't yeah. a great start to the season. What what was it about that season that that kind of clicked into to clicked into place to for Derby? To, I mean, I mean, obviously, there was the amazing run they went on. But what was it about yeah. it that that kind of clicked? Yeah. So, in, in terms of Jim Smith coming in, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, for, for, first of all, it was it was a massive thing for. The, the likes of myself uh, and Dino, uh, Roy, Roy getting sacked. Like it was a big thing for us because um, we had a lot of, you know, a lot of time for Roy, and we, you know, he'd really give us our chance. So it was a, you know, you know, 
I was never I was never sure how to act around a new manager when he come in. Whether you know, your lo- my loyalty was always to Roy and to Arthur Cox mm. and to Gordy and and a, and a new coach come in and a new manager come in. So I was always a bit like yeah, a bit standoffish. And um, I remember we he changed the system. He bought Igor in. He changed the system. We had a we had a poor, really poor result against Tranmere away. Um, well, I think we might have lost. Was it six one or five one? Six one. It was when uh, it was Eagles. Eagles debut. Once you when he Eagles, scored. Eagles. Eagles debut. Yeah, Eagles scored. Um, you know, I, I, I remember. Um, you know, we changed the system, and then we we seemed to just go on a massive run. Where I don't think we lost for. Was it twenty odd games? We we went yeah twenty. Yeah, I think it was twenty yeah. games. Yeah. We I, I remember meeting. I met I met Eagle once, and I think I said. I think I said 19 games and like I just met him and just said, oh, I remember that run. And he correct, he actually corrected me. This is about oh, okay. three, four years ago. Yeah. And he went, no, it was like, it was, no, it was 20 games. Yeah, like he yeah. corrected me on it. Yeah. He'd have, he'd have definitely known. Like he was, I mean, he was, your, he was your, your, um, you know, if you, if you was to write down the attributes of a leader and, and, and the attributes of someone that you need to uh, be like a, the, the, the pivotal player within the team, he would fit into that bracket massively. He was arrogant. Um, he thought that we should win every game. He thought that we should be have the best players. We should have the best food. We should go to the best hotels. We should have the best travel. Um, and he sort of lifted the standards of everyone up around him. And that was, you know, in terms of um, having having the, the foresight of that for, for Jim Smith to bring a player in like that with that stature was uh, was a, was a, an absolutely great signing. And not only did he. Um, he, he lifted his own performance, but he lifted players around him, which is a, a really big thing for, for for players. So, but yeah, that 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 season was a, was a great season. I, I remember about six or seven games before the end of the season, I was I was playing right wing back, and I must have been doing 11, 12k per game. And this was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and I, I just absolutely ran out of gas. I ran out of gas completely. And I remember, um, you know, we were getting to the point where it looked like we were going to get promoted. Um, it was it was touch and go. We were right up there, and uh, you know, my wife at the time, my, my girlfriend at the time was was pregnant with our first kid, and we like I was a bit bit worried about my form and stuff. So she said, "Come on, we'll go to the let's go to the pitch." So we went to showcase. So I'm in my uh, in the car, and as as we're driving to the car, I says I, I looked at the time. It's like six o'clock. So oh, we'll put the phone in on because like you know, you know. So and I, I'm not joking. I got to the I got to the, the the pictures and I was absolutely I was in tears I was actually crying I was getting slow every single fan that rang in was like he cannot play in this team anymore you need to get him out of the team I was supposed to be relaxing and winding down and I got there and I was actually I, I stopped the car and I just burst into tears I just I was like I, I like physically I couldn't do it anymore I was knackered I was just I was playing I think, I can't remember who was playing left wing back but we were literally and our job was literally. Every time we attack, get in the box. Every time we defend, get in the box. So I was literally going like that all game. And it weren't just like one game a week. I was expected to do this like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Like nowadays, you do that for two or three games, you get rested for three or four, back in. You know, you know, because people would look at the periodization program and they'd look at the, the output that you're putting in per game. But no, not these guys. They were just like, crack on. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I was I was taken out of the team. I was taken out of the team for maybe the last four or five games. So I'd literally played, a thir- say if we played, I don't know, it was 45 games. I bet I played 39 of, the, of them games. Um, did not join in any of the promotion party. 
refused to go. I, I was like, I'm not going, no chance. I didn't I didn't play in the last game that we won at Crystal Palace. We had a, we had a do at the, I'm sure it was for, uh, it was by the A38 in Little Over, that Italian restaurant on the left-hand side. Oh, yeah. Um, was it La Gondola or something like that? Yeah, the Gondola. Gondola, yeah, 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 yeah. Gondola, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get we get we get we get us in there. Um, we you know it's, we've got tables. Wives are in there. Gets in there. I was like to my missus, like, nah, come on, we're going. I'm not staying here. No chance. And we went. That was me. That was my promotion party. I couldn't even tell you where the where the where the where the um, the medal is for getting promoted. Really? Yeah, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. I was like, I was gutted that I was getting hammered off the fans. I was gutted that Jim Smith won't put me in the team. And I was like, yeah, I was. I was I was in a I was in a <laughs> I was in a bad place. So wow, yeah. yeah so um, it kind of sums theory. up. It kind of sums up football fans for me in general. Like not having to go at football fans because I, I have no listeners, but Derby fans are all kind of they can they're, they're the best and the worst. Like you're second in the top of the league and you're still kind of ringing yeah. up and hammering someone. And as you yeah. know, I, I work at Radio Bay and actually I I've produced that that show yeah. and. You think some of the callers that get on are bad? You should hear the ones that don't get past yeah, us. Uh, Do you know what I mean? It's like you think, well, yeah. How are you? What? What? I don't understand yeah. what you're getting from watching football. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the sad thing about it is a lot of the callers that were ringing in, they were right. They were right what they were saying, which was, <laughs> which was even worse. <laughs> it was even. That's why it touched a nerve. <laughs> exactly. I was like, he looks, he looks absolutely shattered. He can't, he, you know, he can't, he can't keep up with playing. I was like, Do you know what? He can't, he's got a point, this fella. He should be a coach. <laughs> um, but, um, no, the set the like, like I said, that that for that that next season in the in the Premier League, um, you know, I made a, I made a real um, effort that pre-season of saying to Jim Smith, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a wing back, I'm not a a wide player, I'm a centre midfielder. That's where I've always played, and almost like wait until I'd, I'd rather compete with someone to play in the middle of midfield and get a chance. So um, that's that's pretty much what I did. I think. Um, Sean Flynn or Gary Rowett may have started right wing back and uh, in that season at the oh it might be Jakob Larson actually I think we brought Jakob Larson and he played there so um, I, I found myself out of the team for quite a lot, lot a long periods at the uh, in that first season back in the Premier League at the baseball ground so but every time I did come on or make an appearance I come on in midfield so and and by that point I could run I got my energy back and I was. I was able to tackle and I was able to play simple passes and and, and sort of affect the game in, in that in that respect. Um, we've got Jakob coming on in a few weeks, actually. So that'd be a yeah, he's a, a good a, guy. He's, yeah. he's a good player for us, Jakob. Was it difficult to pick yourself up from having a massive role in promotion and then you, you like you say you feel gutted because you're not feeling like part of it, and then to go in and and have to fight your way in? Did that take some? Some good doing to get pick yourself back up and fight your way back into the side. Um, well, I missed I missed a lot of that pre-season because um, they went the lads went away for ten days to uh, pre-season camp. But we were we were we were having Callum, so Callum was going to be due any any time. So I, I actually stayed back at Rainsway. So I famous because where the lads were playing a lot of pre-season friendlies, I was literally just training with the with the reserve team stroke stroke youth team at the time. So it wasn't until they came back. So I was maybe already two or three weeks behind the the the, the team. So when they when we started playing, it was easier to feel patient and for wait for my opportunity in the Premier League because I could see the level of the Premier League. I was like, I'd never played in the Premier League either. So I was thinking when you when Chelsea came and when 
Liverpool came and these kind of teams, you're almost, you're, you're, you're sat in that, in, on the bench at the baseball ground, but you're actually thinking, bloody hell, these are good. Like these, these are good, these, these are good team here. So I need to make sure that I'm at that level. So I made a real concerted effort to make sure that I was, the, I was tried to be fitter than everyone, stronger than everyone, uh, trained harder than everyone. Um, so a, a lot of things towards the end of that Premier League season, that first season, fell into place for me in terms of me cementing my 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 place in the team. What was it like when you get into obviously the move to Pride Park and you start? There's people start arriving like the obviously the Asanovic came the season before, but the Asanoviches, yeah. uh, Iranios, um, Bayanos, these kind of players. What was it like when when them kind of big characters yeah. and big players come in? Is it what what was that like? Yeah, so obviously we we signed we signed Igor and then we signed um, ASAP. So straight away the level's gone up in terms of you're seeing now a player um, that's not very fast, but you can't get the ball off him. That's got a left foot that can literally pass the ball anywhere with the inside of his foot, the outside of his foot. He's got unreal balance. He can hit free kicks. He can hit set pieces. Um, Igor's doing the same, but from from a deeper position where he's hitting these outrageous passes. So you're having to and you're playing with these kind of players, um, you're having to lift your levels. And then Iranio came in uh, first before Bayano. And we were on a pre-season, we were in pre-season in La Manga. And uh, I remember we were doing like a passing drill and um, I passed the ball to him and he said, uh, he went, Carza, uh, to, my, to my right foot, like, think about your pass and think about the weight that you're putting on your pass. Like, because I passed it sort of beyond, it was a pass like, so mm. uh, from, from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, uh, a lot of fans' point of view, you go well. I've passed the ball to him. It's it's all right, but for 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 the standards that he had, it, for him to move forward quickly, I need to pass the ball to his front foot so he could take his touch forward and he could keep yeah, the, get his it momentum going. Yeah. yeah. So 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 then you start thinking about bloody hell, right? So every time I pass to him, it's got to be the right weight at the right tempo. So that again, that lifts the, the group. And and Aranio can play right right wing back. He can play centre midfield. I remember we, we were having our dinner one day at the um, or our lunch one day at, at training. I'm sat with I'm sat with Aranio uh, at the at the lunch table, and um, so my, I, me and me and Dino me and Dino would literally go up to the canteen, get whatever we want, eat as fast as we can, and get out of there, or have a game of pool. And Boyano Aranio uh, goes up to the counter, he gets a salad bowl, he gets a bit of olive oil, a bit, bit, bit of vinegar, a bit of salt, comes back down, and he eats his salad, and then he sits for a bit. And he's chatting, and then he goes up and gets his next. He gets his next call. <laughs> comes back. He's sitting. He's ch- and he's chatting, and 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 then he, he's he's making sure that he's having his water, and then he's got his coffee. So I said, Steph, why are you, why are you taking so long when you eat? He says, he's like, cars. I'm I'm refueling. I'm I'm making sure that I'm right for tomorrow. What I'm doing now is going to help me tomorrow. So like, and I mean, he wasn't doing it on purpose, but educationally, he was he was saying what you and Dino are doing. If you want to be a top player, that's not what that's not what you do. You know, you, you you chew your food, you take your time with it, and you and you think about what you're putting into your body. So, I, so I always remember that about Steph, the, the way that you passed him the ball and the way that he ate. So, uh, and then obviously, obviously, Bayano came in who just lifted again the level. But um, Asanovic, Bayano, uh, Iranio, um, obviously, one shot came in then as well, along with already Dino, um, and then you got like big players like Jonathan Hunt as well, Christian Daly. Gary Rowett, you know, we had a we had a very, very strong Chrissy Powell, Mark Poom. Uh, we had a very, very strong team squad. Just because 
it's, it seems so long ago now, but it, I think I always think it gets a little bit lost. Just how good with that side? Because well, it's eighth in the Premier League, so it, yeah. it's a side that's got something about him, isn't it? Yeah, we were we were uh, we were a good team, and I think what um, what I I would say what the fans enjoyed most about um, watching that team is the style of play. Um, you know, and I, I I heard it a while back, maybe two three years ago, when um, when when I when I heard um, the owner talk about the Derby way, um, and I, I weren't sure whether he was referring to the seventies era or the the two thousands or or the or the the ninety late nineties era, uh, but yeah, teams definitely were were weary about coming to Derby and attacking us because they knew they were going to get opened up um, with with the attacking threats that we had in, in Paolo and Dino and and Dion Burton and, and Bayano and Iranio and if anything we were we were <coughs> we were probably too open defensively because we were literally we were very attacking two wing backs were going it was literally me and the three centre backs that would be sat there and and we'd literally try and um, you know tr- try and, st- and stop the counter attack but. Um, yeah, we were, you know, I, I was talking to someone last night and, you know, we, if, if you think about it now, and it's, it's good that we had the quick chat before we started recording that you'd seen that era. So you've seen us beat Liverpool and Manchester United and Chelsea and, 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 and Newcastle and all teams when you come now, you go, if they come to Pride Park, you, you go, probably go, well, it's going to be tough for us tonight. Whereas it was the opposite. We were going, now we'll beat these. If we play well, we'll beat these because we've got some, you know, we've got some match winners in the team. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, st- I still love going to, to Pride Park and, you know, I've still got the memories um, of, of looking back at it. And, you know, we all we all want them, them times to come back. Leaving Derby County then uh, at the time, was that your decision? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was... So the, the, the first season uh, in, the, in the Premier League at Pride Park, um, I... Um, I think I had a year left on my contract or a year uh, or two years left on my contract. And, and Jim Smith said, oh, I want you to sign another contract. So I was like, okay, fair enough, we'll, we'll talk. And in between that, there was a, um, an inquiry from Everton. So, but I had, no, I had no interest in leaving Derby at all. I, as far as I was concerned, I was going to start my career at Derby and finish my career at Derby. I, I my, had a lovely house in Litlover, what Peter Gatsby through Birch Jones had, had helped us out with. I had a I had a, a club Toyota. I had a Toyota Celica, and I, ch- I had to change it to a Toyota Picnic, which was like a bloody minibus. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, I had no intention of, of leaving Derby. I absolutely loved it there, and um, like I say, there was an inquiry from Everton. I signed a new contract at the end of uh, halfway through that next season. Um, I got injured playing against Arsenal, and it was just um, just as the, the transfer window opened, but maybe just after Christmas. Um, we just had Connor, um, my, my um, our middle son, who who was obviously who was born uh, with special needs. So in terms of like mentally, I shouldn't have made the decision at that time. I should have. I wasn't in the right frame of mind to make that decision. So when um, when I when I heard that that Blackburn had put a bid in for me, which was substantial, it was like four million quid. Uh, I went and seen Jim Smith and I said uh, just to say. Uh, I know that Blackburn have put a bid in. What what are your thoughts on it? Um, he said, no, they haven't. They haven't put a bid in. I said, well, I know, I know that they have because, you know, my agents told me and obviously Christian had gotten there. So I knew that they, they had. He said, no, 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 they haven't. So I went um, after training, got changed, went straight to Pride Park. 
uh, as, I, as, I, as I was in the office at Pride Park, the fax come through, which was the bid from Blackburn. So it was literally in the office. I'd seen it. So uh, I, I said, I, I want to leave. I want to, I want to go. I I, and, I, and I think at the time, I had, in my mind, I didn't think um, Jim Smith thought that Blackburn would pay that kind of money for me. Um, and I, I took that as a slight that he didn't rate me or he didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't quite think that I was at that level. So I almost said, right, I'll go somewhere then where I think that they do rate me because um, I love playing for Derby. I thought I was really, without blowing me on trumpet, I thought I was really important in that team in terms of the way that we played because I was really the only defensive midfielder that we had. So it, I had quite an important role in there. Uh, but yeah, it was a big wrench to leave. But I felt it was, a, it was something that I had to do. I, th- I felt like, you know, to, for me to get onto that next level, I had to go. Do you regret it looking back? Do well, do I regret it? Um, do I regret it? I loved, like I say, if if I'd have if I'd have started at Derby and finished at Derby, I'd have been happy with that. I didn't ever see myself leaving Derby County, but um, yeah, I mean, in terms of going to Blackburn, Derby survived that season. Blackburn got relegated, so in terms of was it a good move? No, it wasn't. But like I say, there was a lot of things going on off the pitch in terms of my mentality at the time. I was dealing with a lot of, um, I was, I, w- I weren't sure what was going to, you know, what the future was going to look like in terms of for Connor. Um, so there was a, there was a responsibility there in terms of financial to make sure that the, the family was secure in, in that respect. So, uh, which probably isn't the best way to base your decisions on, but it was, I felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I left a lot of good friends behind at Derby and, and the staff. And, you know, the first time I went back there with Everton, I, I, di- I didn't go there with Compshaw or Blackburn, but the first time I went back there back with Everton, I got a really good um, reception from the fans, which was which was really pleasing because, um, you know, two of my kids were born in Derby. My wife's from Derby. I go back to, when, when I go to Pride Park to watch a game, I live in Warwick now in, in uh, just outside Birmingham. Whenever I go to Pride Park and watch a game, I always go back to Little Over to look at my first house, my second house, my third house, all on the same estate. And I always make sure that I drive past the baseball ground and go down Shaftesbury Crescent and have a look at the little thing. Every single time I go there and I always go through the back way uh, because it's a big, it was a, it was a massive part of my growing up. And, and you know, like I say, when you talk about that foundation, what, what Derby did for me, I, I'd never forget. How would you sum up your time at Derby? How would I Happy. sum it up? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Frustrating at times. Frustrating at times. Uh, but yeah, o- overall, I mean, that's that season. Well, the first two seasons that we had at Pride Park, like you know, to, to be part of that dressing room, and we were just we were just so good. Like some of the you know, I, and sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I'll I'll put in like uh, nineteen ninety seven Derby. And you watch the goals that we scored that season, that Southampton game when we beat Southampton four 0 we absolutely smashed them. Could have been ten nil. Yeah, it was nil nil to about seventy minutes or something. That's on it. We had the post, we had the bar. The keeper was making ridiculous saves. We missed chances. Obviously, we ended up beating. But that that link up play between uh, Irania Boyana one shot, like we like in training, like it was it was happening all the time. And, and I know sometimes Paolo gets a bit of. Um, not stick, but oh, Paolo didn't know what he was doing. So how did anyone else? He knew exactly what he was doing. He was a top player, Paolo was. He scored a lot of really good goals. And the 
the uh, the relationship what him and Dean had, they really pushed each other in and stood you. Uh, and then obviously Boyano was a little bit deeper, would would really complement each other. I was going to, when you were talking earlier about one shot coming in, I was going to say yeah. that because it is the go-to phrase that people say that, well, even yeah, one shot don't know what he's doing, so how does, how does nah. the defender do it? But mate, you, don't, nah. you don't score goals like that in the Prem without any ability, no, do you? No chance. He had pace, he had power, he could control it. It was unorthodox, but bloody hell, who's not unorthodox, uh, these forwards? Um, he was powerful in the air, he was brave. Um, he, you know, like I say, in terms of uh, coming from Costa Rica to the Premier League, what a, what a, what a change that would have been. I, my, my house backed onto to his house, um, and uh, our second house, we bought we bought the, the show home. So with the show home, you you, you basically moved in, and, and all the plants were still in the gardens, like a rocket there. <laughs> so I, I bought a host pipe, and every now and then, when I could hear Paolo in the in the garden, I'd spray it. <laughs> <laughs> I, could hear, I could hear him screaming every now and then when the cold water hit him, but we backed onto each other. But like, like I say, great, great, great fellow. And I think it'd be really, you know, I, I don't like hearing, hearing that. Where he, no one knew what he, he didn't know what he was doing, so everyone else did. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm not having that. He was, he was a top player, Paolo, and he, and he showed that as well at West Ham. He scored goals wherever he went. Just finally on Derby, I want to quickly touch on Everton before before we finish, but. Yeah. While we spoke about, you just mentioned Dino, Dean Storage, and we spoke yeah. briefly before we came on. He was unplayable at times, wasn't he? Just how good was, was Dino? Yeah, I mean, Dino, I think Dino, at, if Dino was around now, he'd have come through for this era. Dino's the kind of player that gets into a first team at 16, 17, 18 and, and, and gets sold for God knows how much money because he was quick. He was, he was quick. He could score with his left foot, his right foot. He was really brave. He had a really strong um, mentality um, un- until you got to know him and you, you realised that he, he was he, he was a bit sensitive at times and he was he did care, but sometimes he'd come across it as he didn't. But you know, w- once you once you get through that that barrier, um, top top player, like unbelievably fast, like rapid, um, and like I say, if, if Dino was at Derby now. He'd be he'd be worth bloody hell. He'd be worth forty million quid. Like top player, um, yeah. So sometimes sometimes as well with with the younger players like that that get into the first team, you tend to put them out wide, out the way, and, and to do a bit more. Like yeah, as soon as Dino had that chance to play up front, and he had a really good uh, relationship. I remember at the time with Paul Simpson. Paul played a little bit deeper, and or, or sometimes he'd play off the left ball. And he, he he set a lot of a lot of goals up for for Dino. As did as did. Um, Marco Gabbiadini, really good, good combination they had together, and obviously Ron coming as well, Ron Willems, and um, yeah, they all linked up great. But yes, still speak to Dino uh, most weeks. Um, yeah, really, really good friend of mine. The amount of goals that year we went up when it, just Dean Storage away, and as soon as he was away, it was right goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Incredible. he took that goal really well against Palace, didn't he? He had that chance yeah. and then finished it off. Um, and that, that was just that was that was Dino, and I think. You know, you think about he he had he scored that great goal against Arsenal, didn't he? Where he's cut inside and he smashed it into the in off the bar, yeah. the bar in off the bar. Bloody, bloody great goals, and you know, and Dino is linked with Arsenal and he's quite close to going to Arsenal. And then it doesn't quite go through, and uh, yeah, but he was again uh, similar similar to myself, Dean. Uh, he probably always had that feeling of not probably being rated. Um, as much as what 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 we should have, um, I mean, and, and 
don't I'm, I'm not trying to put myself in the same category as Dino by the way he was bloody he was a lot better than, than I was and, and he was a lot more effective and probably done a lot more for Derby than I did but yeah real real good player real good player so I've suppose uh, uh, Blackburn and Coventry with yeah. a couple of relegations unfortunately it was you're probably best known after, as well as Derby for Everton yeah. and you played in a in a, a brilliant spell at Everton under, under David yeah. Moyes which, which saw them like you playing in Europe and, and stuff like that. What was your time yeah. at Everton like and, and what was playing for David Moyes like? Yeah, I mean, similar to what, what I spoke about at the start, um, where when you, get, when, you go into, when you go into Goodison, um, you realise that you're going into an institute um, that's, that's, that's got a lot of history to it. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you've been to Goodison Park yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's steeped in history with really passionate, knowledgeable fans that have seen title winning, have seen cup runs, have seen European cups, uh, cup win, uh, cup runs. Um, so they expect a, a certain level uh, in terms of, uh, of work rate and commitment. And the team has to reflect um, the people in, uh, in, in the area. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a great time in my career. Yeah. You know, playing for Everton, something, something that I, I, I love doing. When you mentioned about Dino and yourself not being quite rated as much as you should be, did you feel justified once you got to Everton and being a regular, playing in a brilliant side that was in Europe? Did you feel like you'd, you'd finally got to your level and you were playing at the level you should have been? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I know, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think yeah, with um, yeah with with David with David Moyes, uh, we had a, we had a, he was he was a brilliant manager for us. But you're always uh, one of one of the skills of management. You're always trying to impress him, so you never felt like you were quite a regular, even though. You know, you, you know, I play 30 games per season. You always felt like you had to keep performing to stay in the team, which was which was how it should be. Like you should never feel like you're, you know, you're the first name on the team sheet or all that. But uh, in terms of my best football, I'd say uh, 1997, 98, um, and then 2004 to 2007, I would have played my best, my best football. You know, that 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 season and a half I had at Derby at Pride Park and. Maybe the four years, five years of, of the seven at Everton, uh, I'd have played my best. In between that, you can delete. <laughs> I just got to quickly to a chunk because one of my memories, being a bit younger of you at Everton, was the goal of the season you scored against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be a highlight, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was brilliant. Obviously, you know, playing playing in them kind of games, um, you know, they're 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 a bit different. They're a bit different when when you when you go into into Liverpool Town Centre, you see blue or red. You know when you go into Birmingham Town Centre, you could see you could see blue, you could see claret, you could see a Liverpool top, a Man United top, a Juventus, Barcelona. Whereas in in Liverpool, you're you're one or the other. So the the, the build up to a derby is 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 intense. So and it takes a bit of getting used to. Uh, I think I played in about nine or ten of them, and I don't think you ever get used to them. You just literally. You want the referee to blow the whistle for the start of the game, and then you want it over with as quick as you can, without without causing you know with without <laughs> you know giving away a penalty or or, or 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 ruining the game. Yeah, so I was lucky enough one year to 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 score the winning goal, which wasn't a well, it wasn't a classic. I mean, I I I done this thing a while back, and it was called it was called Derby Legends, and it was uh, I was on a panel with with um, all the players that had scored great. Derby goals. So you had you had Graham Sharp. I don't know if you remember that goal where um, Neville Southall clears it forward. It bounces yeah. and he volleys it 
unreal goal. So like top corner, you know, straight over to the fans. And then you've got uh, Kevin Sheedy that it's a free kick, nails it straight to the top corner. And then you see my bobbler that literally bobbles <laughs> and it goes pop, pop. And I thought to myself while I was sat at the table, I don't think I should be sat here. <laughs> I, I don't think that goal, I don't think that goal deserves to be in this forum at the minute. But it was a winning goal, I suppose. But the the the, the sad thing about it, it was it was against a really good friend of mine, Chris Kirkland, and we were we were really close friends from from Coventry. So you know, I, obviously, I was on a massive high, and he was on a bloody massive low. So um, you know, that that was the that was the only um, that was the only bad thing about that is that I knew how upset he was with. You know, conceding the goal, and obviously, I think Jamie Carragher was in his way, and he sort of blocked, you know, blocked the the, the view. So, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to help him out. Yeah, so I, yeah, I was say, yeah, dig, <laughs> trying to dig him out there, dig, dig <laughs> a hole. Internationally, you played, obviously, played for the Republic of Ireland. Did you yeah. go to the World Cup? Yeah, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, 2002. Yeah, so that was a that was a good experience. It was a long one. Like we were, we, we I felt like I was away from home for like five or six weeks or whatever it was. So but it was it was a good experience. I mean, you know, to 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 actually be sat there. I was on the bench. Um but to be actually sat there, you know, I've watched World Cup since I was been growing up and then, you know, you're actually sat there and you're actually watching the World Cup, you're at the World Cup. And I, I came on against Saudi Arabia. Um and then you get a little medal that says that um it says on the back of it it says participant for the 2002 World Cup. So which is good. I mean I can't I couldn't tell you where it is, but it'll be in the air somewhere. <laughs> but that um, was a great experience. Obviously, um, it would have been even better if if Roy uh, Roy Keane hadn't have, hadn't have gone home. I think we'd have done really well because he was he was our best player by by a country mile. But that sort of overshadowed the, the whole preparation with with that. But uh, apart from that, it was a it was a decent enough experience. I was going to ask you about that. You might not be able to answer it, or might you be able to choose not to answer it. Was you there when he when he got sent home then? And yeah, we were all we were all there because it was in a uh, it was in a team dinner. So I mean, I, I'd love for it to I'd love for try for it to try and sound more dramatic than what it was, but it was a it was a disagreement, and it was yeah, it was it was it was unfortunate because if if we're being honest, no one no one benefited from that situation. We lost our best player. And and maybe Mick and Roy were never the same again after that, which was a shame because you know to get to a bloody World Cup final is a massive achievement. And, and for Roy, who at times drove the team single-handedly, he was, he was a you know he was a class player. Um, it was unfortunate that he had to miss out on it, but uh, you know it's one of the things I suppose. Just to finish off, management and career-wise, we, we we spoke about what you're doing at the minute. What's the aim? Um, for you, is it a full-time management role somewhere? Eventually, is that your your aim? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I think um, in in terms of, I've always been quite um, uh, reluctant to, to 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 take a manager's job too soon. I, I felt like I was um, I got to a, an elite status as a player in terms of I played in the Premier League and I played international. So. When I started coaching, I felt like I was back to that novice level. So I felt like I had to learn properly and and learn the right way and and almost make sure that when I was talking to players, I was talking to them with a bit of substance and a bit of experience of of what. So you know, I've done the under 18s at Coventry. I've done the under 23s at Coventry. I was caretaker at Coventry. Uh, I've worked for the Premier League, um, studying um, academies. Then I worked for Sheffield United for. Two weeks when me and David Weir took over, we got we got sacked. weren't weren't a weren't a great weren't a great managerial stint. Uh, and then I worked for Brentford with under 23s 
which was a brilliant experience. Obviously, caretaker manager at, at Brentford and then uh, doing England under 19s, uh, working at Man City, um, which was a brilliant experience. And then working with England under 21s and, and obviously now the job that I'm at at the minute. So I've been, I've been very lucky in terms of my, co- my coaching pathway. So, you know, at some point, um, I will have a, have, a, have a go at doing it. Um, so, yeah, um, I, feel, I feel like I'm on a decent, decent path. Well, good luck with everything and your passion for football shines through. So I'm sure that one day you'll get the, the role you deserve. I always I always ask this at the end. Any regrets? Any regrets? Um, no, no, definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. In terms of um, where I was born um, and, and what I achieved was was um, for the ability that I had. It was it was uh, it was a it was a good effort. Would I like to go back and do it all again? Nope, no chance. Really? No, nah, no way. No way. It was too hard. It was too hard. <laughs> it's too it was hard. too hard. I haven't got the uh, yeah. I haven't got the no. That's that's gone then. That bit, that determination bit's gone. But I absolutely loved it. Like like I say, some of the you know some some of the some of the things and the and the grounding that I had um, at at Derby, especially you know if you. Um, if you if you were late to the baseball ground in the mornings, you had to you had to walk to Rainsway from the baseball ground, and then if you were late getting on the bus again, you had to walk back. Uh, if a ball went into the River Derwent and you were on balls, you had to get into the River Derwent. I remember one day me and Craig Darks chased the ball all the way down to almost Nottingham, trying to get this mitre multiplex back, and we, we we got it. I I had to actually jump in up to up to my waist while he held me, and I got this ball out. I mean, if you think about that now, you, you just wouldn't do. We just leave it, wouldn't you? <laughs> but we were, we were this ball wasn't that we had twenty balls. The first team had twenty balls, and we had to make sure they had all their balls back. So it must have took us an hour to get this ball back. It was a windy day. It, the river was right up, you know, at the back of the at the, at the back of, of the um, of Rainsway. Um, yeah. So in terms of like memories, yeah, yeah, no, definitely no regrets, no regrets. But like I said at the start, um, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. You're doing a brilliant job with it. So. Hopefully you keep getting um, good good guests and good reviews and all the rest of it. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it means the world that um, I'm going to turn into like a soppy Derby fan because this is my actual job, but um, it's it's amazing that people like yourself give me your time. So thank you very much for it no uh, for, for doing that and, and I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, Cheers, before man. just before we go, you've you've uh, you've you should if management don't work out, you should be a radio producer because you come up with a brilliant idea that. Every time someone comes on, they recommend the next guest. So pass, you recommend it? Pass the mic. I'm, I'm recommending Dean Storage, definitely. Definitely. But he's going to want 10 grand to do it, probably. All right, nice one. I'll, uh, uh, yeah, let, let me speak to Nat West and I'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, he won't. He nice one. Won't. Nice one. Nice one, Lee. I really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you.